We are ready. We are rolling and rolling and rolling, as Fred Durst says. Oh, sorry. Were you waiting for me to make a Limp Bizkit joke? No, I just made a Limp Bizkit joke. Hey, welcome to Not to Oscars, a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema getting the recognition they deserve. So each week, one uh, host from this show uh, nominates a performance for the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award, an award of our own creation birthed from, uh, well, our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, performance of Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. And this week, my moment that I'm thinking about from that movie in particular, love, is... Uh, just seeing seeing him at the very top of the movie, right before he turns into the bug when he's holding the shotgun, and you're like, you gotta pry this from my cold, dead hands. Because it's the only time he's like a human, and it just, I don't know, I'm thinking about that this week. It does uh, a really good job of establishing how much of a piece of shit he is, too. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, in like wife. one line. <laughs> he's yeah. fucking like upset about everything. He's slamming doors like from the first second that you hear him. You're like, God, this man sucks. <laughs> we know who this person is. <laughs> this guy is trash. Anyway, I'm Josh, uh, and we're also joined by our other two hosts, Erica and Anthony. Hey, guys. Yo. What's going on? It's cracking. Not much. Yeah, it's... Um, All right. Well, for our first time, <laughs> one of us has a performance. <laughs> I mean, it's, should we it's not sad. talk before this? <laughs> so, like, we tape on Wednesdays, and oh, here there's we something go. about getting to like Wednesday that just feels like, oh, like I made it like the halfway point. Thank God. And like when I like come to like record this at night, it's just like okay. We only got two more fucking days. Like, we get this really, like, nice oasis, and then it's about to get crazy again for two more. I texted Anthony at, like, 7.30 p.m. on Monday night, and I was like, it just occurred to me that it's still Monday. Like, like, time has no meaning anymore. This shit is wild. Like, it's actually fucking crazy. Like, it's at the point where I'm just, like, I'm just pushing through. I'm just like, how the hell can we make this day end? How can I get back in this bed again? Like, what do I have to do? What's the ransom note? Like, how can I cheat so that, like, I don't have to, like, work that hard? Oh, it's crazy. It's hard. Anthony, I'm telling you, if you read Untamed, your life will change. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we still I don't need that. that. I really, really, really <laughs> don't need that again. So I'm... I- Am I only one? Co- am I the only one coming in on a Wednesday with my A game for this podcast? Fuck I mean, I'm no. coming up with f- catchphrases, get goop. I'm gonna workshop. Uh, I'm gonna bring back boo boo negative. No, uh, I would hard, really hard pass. pass. <laughs> boo boo. Oh, that was a boo boo negative. Uh, you guys got to catch up. Uh, I'm like, will I'm willing to consider get goop just because it reminds me of Mean Girls a little bit. <laughs> Just the lesser of two evils. Mm, I yeah. I dig it. I definitely uh, come here, like, prepared and, like, ready to go. It's just very much, like, you ever, like, go work out, like, too many days in a row? And, like, that not one these day, days. like, kind of... Not recently. <laughs> like, now you get any kind of exercise, and you're like, holy shit, I'm a fucking Olympian. Like, I worked out three days God. in a row last week, and I was like, eh, I can probably take the next four off. <laughs> And, like, that third day probably felt like, whoa, like, we could not do this and that'd be fine. Like, that's what this kind of feels like sometimes. Just like, man, like, your brain is not all together right now, sir. Are you sure you really want to put it through the ringer for two more hours? And it's like, fuck it. Like, we're just going to go for it. That's what this feels like. It's like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm here. Yeah, we're in the moment. We're a little limp, but uh, yeah, just... <laughs> like, nah, I might be an idiot, but I'm here doing this thing because this is what matters. <laughs> and then I take off four days, and when I come back to it, I'm like, yeah. okay, let's try yeah. that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm not quite in that state tonight. I'm actually really excited to fight for this one. All right, well... For our first-time listeners, uh, welcome. Uh, but one of us has a performance that we, they've chosen to nominate this week 
for the Vincent D'Onofrio Award, while the other two of us uh, score that argument to determine if said performance does indeed receive that award. Uh, So Anthony and I are going to be the judges this week, and Erica has a film assigned from the year 1992, right? Heck yes, I do. Excellent. I remembered it this year. Erica, what do you got for us? All right. So this week, I would love the two of you to consider for the Vincent D'Onofrio Award, Whoopi Goldberg um, as Dolores in Sister Act. I was really excited for this because uh, I've never actually seen this movie before tonight. What? what? Yeah, and here's the sad <laughs> we thing. We hit the same pitch. <laughs> I really, really, really like Whoopi Goldberg, and I saw the second one first, and I was just like, there's really? no fucking way that's better than this. And I was like, I'm just never going to watch it. I'm just going to act like it never happened. And that Lauren Hill showed up, and that shit got 20 times better. And I've never watched the first one because of it. Man. Wow. All right. Wow, what a treat. I know. Um, I personally, this movie, so um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, was a devout Catholic her whole life, um, had this movie on VHS. And when I would go over there, either because she was taking care of me. So my grandmother also was my primary caretaker for my whole childhood um, because my parents both worked. And um, she uh, (laughs) when I when I became school aged and she she didn't need to come up to the house as much. Um, when I came home from, like, sick from school, sometimes she'd still bring me to her house because, you know, she was still living her life and had things to do. So I'd be, like, you know, have a sick day on my grandmother's couch. And she had, like, three movies on VHS, and this was one of them. And, like, looking Mm. back at it now, it's just so funny to me. My grandmother just, (laughs) my baba, loving this movie about singing nuns is honestly a riot to me. Um... So that's like I have a very I have very happy memories of this movie. Yeah, this seems like a generation gap movie where it it kind of bridges modern like hey let's find a comedy that you know I would enjoy with yeah like an older generation yeah I dig that um, so, so this it was, mo- it was really really fun to watch good uh, I'm glad I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd seen it, like, a couple of times before. I, like, I saw this movie at... I, did you guys go to, like, any type of after-school, like, not camp, but, like, kind of, like, bigger kid daycare? I had my baba, um, so I didn't. She she was uh, my... Sometimes I would go to, like, my grandpa... Oh, sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. No, like, I just went to my grandmother's house, or she came to our house, usually. I had aftercare most days. Um, my grandparents would only pick me up if... Like, my parents had to, like, work late or, like, they had, like, stuff going on. Um, But I was, like, normally, like, at school for, like, after school, just, like, doing homework and sitting around a table waiting for my dad to show up at, like, six. Yeah. Yeah, we we had a thing that happened a couple of days a week. Like, we we it was mostly that, but, like, where they would just be a room. And it's like, okay, here's a bunch of kids that can't go home yet, so let's just put on a movie. And uh, this was one that came up a lot strangely what's weird and we'll get into this like i watched this as a child disney put this movie out as like a family film i don't know that this is really a family plot line for the most part um (laughs) but that's true this one's real dicey in terms of like family values i don't know there's just yeah guy gets shot in like the very first 15 minutes it's pretty rough Yeah, so this this movie, for for folks at home who maybe haven't seen it or just need a refresher, um, this movie is about a lounge singer um, who she is dating a mob boss-esque person. uh, It's played by Harvey Keitel, which I will talk about at some point during my argument because I have thoughts about that. Um, At a, a Reno casino, she's a lounge act. Um, he's married, he's not going to break up, with, or he's not going to leave his wife for her. So she goes to tell him that she's leaving him, and she witnesses his two, like, 
uh, cronies offing this guy that, that ratted him out to the police. So she goes to the police and she winds up getting put in sort of a haphazard witness protection program where she gets brought to San Francisco um, and she hangs out at a convent with a group of nuns, which is headed up by Maggie Smith. Um, also, fun fact, Bill Nunn plays the cop who brings her up and hides her there. And he also played Radio Raheem in Radio Raheem. Uh, Do the Right Thing. So that was kind of interesting to watch him kind of play this 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 police officer in this movie. Um, so anyway, she, she's hiding up there. She, because she's a lounge singer, she winds up totally transforming the nun's chorus. And um, the day before they're about to sing for the Pope, Harvey Keitel finds out where she is and um, basically kidnaps her and it's up to the nuns to save her. Um, so yeah, there, it's, there's a surprising amount of gun violence in this children's movie, which is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, when you put it that it, way. I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of cartoony. I mean, it doesn't feel true even in moments where there's like violence or like crime or chasing. It feels very like kind of vaudeville or kind yeah. of lo- Looney Tunes. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to give too much away because this is part of my argument because I I actually think some of those things are actually why I think this movie is still watchable. Yeah. Yeah. So Anthony and I are going to be grading um, uh, Erica's uh, arguments into five categories. Uh, we'll be giving each of those categories a score from zero to ten based off of Erica's argument. And at the end, we will add those scores up and determine whether or not Whoopi Goldberg actually does get the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, Erica, are you ready to begin your argument? I am, Josh. Thank you. All right. Then why don't you take it away with our first uh, category, Aged Like a Fine Wine. Aged Like a Fine Wine. Okay. So one of the reasons that this movie holds up, that despite the fact that this movie was made in 1992 with this just barrage of movies about white people, with Bette Midler actually originally attached for the leading role in this movie, this movie that was made starring not just a, a... any black actress, but Whoopi Goldberg, who was career was like really starting to peak at this point in time. It's incredible that this movie, the plot line of this movie, is actually not about race. Now, race does play into the storytelling, but this isn't a story about a black lounge singer turned nun. It's about a singer turned nun who happens to be black. And that actually changes a lot of how we view and are able to enjoy this movie. And I think of actually why it's able to endure in a manner that many 90s movies do not. The jokes are actually not at the expense of her being a woman. They're not at the expense of the color of her skin. They are at, they are about the literal situation that she is in. Um, it's very cleverly done. And I also think that having a cast that is mostly made up of women actually also contributes to the fact why this movie has the staying power that it does, because it's just, it's good, solid, clean performances across the board. Was that 90 seconds, like, legit? Yeah. You you were just under. That was pretty much on the dot. You got this shit down to a T. Discuss. Yeah, so I basically gave my argument before we even really got into it. Um, (laughs) So it was kind of like your argument to lose. But, uh, yeah, I agreed with a lot of it. Because, yeah, the the themes of this were so, like, you know, on the money uh, for the time. And, like, meaning that, like, you know, it couldn't have been more perfect. It's like you have the perfect artist. You have, you know, the perfect, like, setting. It almost feels so absurd that, like, this is even happening because it's so good. Like, so many things are intersecting where you have the perfect uh, lead. You have this really great supporting cast, this really awesome theme that's kind of, like, you know, uniting this whole thing. And for it to come out when it did, it was, like, the first thing of its kind. So, yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with the both of you. I mean, it it feels like it feels like that lightning in a bottle kind of thing where you just get the right people right setting all these things together and you it's so effortless 
how you know beautiful and how how well everything works together because i think you said it best that this the what this movie represents and means to the viewer isn't what the story is directly about it kind of lets the viewer do a lot of that work uh, itself which you know the 90s was terrible at that so it it really it i it it amazed me watching it again how well it told that story at least from my point of view of like you know being a black woman in this situation and being a singer and joining convent and doing all these things without doing like any of it and the humor in this movie held up so fucking well like the jokes they all landed which i there's a lot of 90s movies that doesn't really happen for me it's like ugh, but this was so fucking funny yeah i agree it was it's a, it's a really funny movie and it makes sense that it would be funny because it's like she's a comedian like at the end of the day it's like she she knows how to turn a joke out of nothing she knows how to like you know make the best choice on a line to make it both believable and to make it feel realistic like nah it's like she's we sleep on Whoopi Goldberg I think sometimes because yeah she didn't get to do a lot of stuff like this but nah she was she was a beast still is a beast yeah she owns the view yeah, it's like, and she's been there for forever because she's just like, I get to say here, I get to sit here and do whatever I want. Sometimes I, I talk to the president, sometimes we're talking to senators, like, I'm the shit. Like, leave me alone. I'm going to stay here as long as I want to. I think she started in 2007 on The View, if you think about, I think that's the year. Like, that's a long time to be on daytime TV. Oh, yeah. Think about it. That's like 13 years ago. Like, you decided to do this thing and you just never left. You were like, yeah, I'm just going to park it here and just chill and just keep doing the thing that makes me a lot of money and makes a lot of people like, you know, know what I'm up to. Nah, like that's the dream. You know, not, not, not to belabor, belabor this one category, but I've always <laughs> kind of viewed uh, Whoopi Goldberg, at least in my own eyes, the same way that I kind of viewed Dolly Parton, where she's this artist that transcends so much. And it's all these kind of different areas and categories and is somehow completely just uh prolific in like everything she touches because for me i like i i knew whoopi through uh star trek when she played mm-hmm. uh Gunnar uh what was it is it uh Gyarnan. yeah Gyarnan. and like seeing sister act and then seeing her in star trek it's like it's just jarring but so perfect Nah, I totally, I totally agree. Um, what did you score this? I, I gave it a 10. It was easy. So did I. Cool. Thanks, guys. Wow. I'm nervous now for the rest of this. Yeah. I, I actually hate starting high because then it's like I have nowhere to go but down. You're like, I'm and you a, now I'm going I'm to start taking a, books away. <laughs> giving you a 10 and a half. Um, all right. All right, you guys ready? ready for round two? Yeah, you ready, ready for our second category? Yes, so our second category, Singular Sensation. Okay. Okay, so, um, as I mentioned in the first category, Bette Midler was actually originally attached to this project. Um, she was later quoted as saying, um, I said, my fans don't want to see me in a wimple. I don't know where I got that from. Why would I say such a thing? So Whoopi did it instead, and of course she made a fortune. Um, so, which is so interesting to me because Bette Midler, uh, will go on to do, um, Hocus Pocus three years after this, which I think maybe could have, <laughs> could have caused her to do that movie. But this is not about <laughs> Bette Midler. This is about Whoopi Goldberg. Um, she is doing a lot in this movie, which again, going back to my first category, um, she's doing a lot in this movie that only Whoopi can do. And what is so interesting about it is how much of it is super understated. Like she treats this role in this quote unquote family movie, which is a, a musical, which I really do. And it has honestly an insane plot. Could really be swept under the rug here. She treats it with such reverence which is is why the performance shines the way that it does um and 
in a way that I really only think these she's hitting these notes that are just so true to Whoopi and the core of who she is. These comedic notes. She's she's singing. She does this thing with her eyes where she just like wipes Harvey Keitel out in a scene in the beginning, which is just mind blowing to me. <laughs> that I think very few actresses have control over their face like that. Um, and I'm out of time, but um, oops, I'm out of time, but um, this this is an iconically Whoopi role, and I. I I can't imagine it being cast any other way. Mm. <sighs> uh, do you want to start again or should I go? I can start. Um, I'd say one of my favorite things about Whoopi Goldberg as a performer is that um, when I said like she reminds me so much of like Robin Williams because like they were the the type of actors that like every actor wants to be where it's like I can be I can do comedy I can do drama I can do voiceover I can literally go do stand up right now and it will be the funniest thing that you've ever seen in your entire life it's like there's nothing that you can throw at me that I can't do even like them singing didn't sound bad like they made it work for who they were and it's like you have this like full autonomy over what your your abilities are as an artist and that's always really fun to see because it's like watching like a clown just like you know do clown work it's like oh you're just really good at like you know having awareness over your whole body and doing things uh i say all that to say that uh i could see somebody else doing the role but i don't think anybody would be able to put the spin on it that she did that made it as fun as it was um so yeah, that's that, that's that was my point. Yeah, I I'm in I'm in a similar boat because you know I mean know that she's coming into this with with theater experience and she's a master of comedy and yeah I mean the expression that I think of when I kind of in line with what you were saying is that she, uh, in like acting school uh, we talked about like actors that have at least the way that my my teacher put it like facile minds or like easy minds meaning that like i mean the example that he gave is like the outtakes of jim carrey and like bruce almighty where he's doing outtakes of just like lighting the flames with his fingertips and he mm -hmm. does it like 50 different ways in like 30 seconds like there's just so much inside of a person that's just all ready to come out so quickly that there just makes it impossible to look away from anything that they're doing, and Whoopi brings that. Is she bring? Is she was all, is she brings that to every role that she does, which is really fortunate that she she kind of gets roles that allow her to exercise the muscle as well as she does, and that she can obviously show up to do that. Mm -hmm. And you know, with this role, I mean, no, I don't think anybody else could have done it as more successfully than she did like of course somebody else could have done this role because it you know it's it, it's a character that starts in one place ends in a different place but it's it doesn't ask too much like physically or vocally i mean there is a scene where she's doing double dutch and a wimple and like that alone kind of does, it, <laughs> does it for me in terms I love, of how I love prepared she is for this role uh <laughs> So, but to really hit exactly what Erica was talking about, how well she uses all of her gestures and looks and has that ability and control over her in a role like this, like there wouldn't have been a sister act two. You know? Um, no, I totally agreed. I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? No, I, I was, I was done. Um, my only, I think, caveat, like, the only thing, like, I, I do think of, though, is that I then normally think, like, okay, like, who else was cast in the role? Who else did they look at? Who do they want? Whatever. Yeah. Um, and I do see how Bette Midler could have done this role and how a lot of it could have been, like, you know, very similar. Um, but also it's, like, there's so much that also kind of goes into that, too, because when Whoopi came in, they did rewrites. So it's, like that meant that, like, the role kind of got tailored towards her a little bit, you know? Like, did you come across that story, Erica, that uh, Carrie Wait, Fisher don't, 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 don't say anything about the script. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's coming. I didn't know if it was coming or not. Um, it's coming. Don't say anything about But basically, like, with the rewrites of it, that kind of allows for it to be a little bit more tailored to that person. I think that they are... 
more similar of performers than I thought, but I think that they definitely would have put their own like twist on it. For that, yeah. that's why I. What they, are you gonna vi- say? they vibrated different frequencies. Yeah, it's like it's definitely like it, they oh, could boy. easily work. They 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 go between, but I'm like it's it's just slightly different. It's kind of its own thing. Um, for that, I gave it an eight, but it's a strong eight, not because I think that it's not good, but because I don't think that she's the only person that would have been able to do it, which often like when you see like, oh, so-and-so was cast first, it's like, oh, this is going to be a very different take. This one, like you said, it's, it's just a slightly different vibration, a different frequency, you know? I gave this one a nine. I, uh, I don't know, for my experience, from what I've seen with Whoopi and what I've seen with Bette Midler and everybody... I'm just so impressed by the double dutch scene, honestly. I'm just giving it It's a fucking... That's like a scene that I vividly remember from a child, too. Like, I I could remember nothing about this movie except for that double dutch sequence. Like, <laughs> and it's so short. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I, I loved seeing that as a kid. Are you ready for... All tra- right. Are you ready for transformation exploration, guys? Let's get into it. It's all you. So I actually think it's really hard to divorce what we know about who Whoopi is in the year 2020 from her career in 1992. But similar to other some of our other D'Onofrio winners, this is another movie where a lot is asked from her in terms of the things she has to do and also be good at. So she has to be ostensibly um, a good enough singer to be a lounge singer, but not necessarily good enough to um, be break to be in Vegas instead of Reno, right? Um, she has to be able to don the nun's habit to do a lot of freaking things in this movie, um, including double dutch, and she has to look both uncomfortable and and comfortable in it costuming wise. Um, I already mentioned she can like really serve a look with her eyes. That opening scene with her and Harvey Keitel, I mean, that's a that's a domestic abuse relationship that she's playing as well in the middle of this fa- family comedy. But what I really want to argue for this, um, because you guys you guys love Whoopi, I love Whoopi. What I really want to argue is that acting, creating that relationship between her and Harvey Keitel is the toughest fucking thing she has to do in this movie. And somehow they managed to find a groove. Um, they managed to nail that scene in her apartment. They managed to nail that scene after she sees him assassinate that guy. And honestly, why the fuck was he cast in this movie? He makes no sense other than the fact that he looks like a mobster. And the fact that she's able to bump up against him and make that feel real just sells me on this category. (laughs) You know, well argued, but before we get into it, to, to kind of back up a little bit, I think both Harvey Keitel and the guy that plays Radio Rahimans movie. I both love those actors, but like the roles that they play are just so it's so well what is he doing in this movie? But also like Radio Rahim, it's like he's a terrible cop. Like it's both of those roles are so bizarre. Yeah. I well, well actually what's interesting is they had a really big conversation about race played into the casting process because they weren't sure whether to cast her love interest as a black man or a white man and for a while they were gonna go with edward james almost because they thought this was a literal quote i read somewhere which makes me want to like tear my hair out but they thought by casting um a latinx man that uh they were like meeting in the middle which fucking got like go to hell 1992 but um uh yeah I don't know, I kind of like Bill Nunn. He's like so smiley and sweet. And like, he doesn't need to contribute to the plot. I don't know. It's also like, that's kind of the character that he became later on in his career. Like, even in Spider-Man, he's just like that guy who's just like, does his job. And like, he doesn't really take shit from people. But he's also like on like the good side of things. Like that's, he just plays like a really like good, solid person. All right, yeah, you're right. He gets the solid, good person, D'Onofrio Award. But I would agree, he's not a great cop, because it's no. just like, why are you out here taunting people? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Literally, like, in the next scene, he's like, you can't keep calling me, you're in witness protection. And the scene before that, he's literally driving up on him, like, I got something on y'all. Like, what the fuck are you doing, G? Like, you gotta and, leave. And he, like, <laughs> w- in the beginning, like, when they have her, and he's like, Driving up to Harvey Keitel, and it's like, hey, you should be worried. Like, we got yeah, that something. Yeah, that shit. On you. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's like, what the fuck are you doing taunting the person who you just put their wife, girlfriend, whatever, in 
and then fucking witness protection so that they don't get killed by that person. And you're going to go taunt them? What's wrong with you? I also really enjoyed that they didn't at all talk about his, what his relationship is to this church, how he knows it exists. He just gives them... <laughs> he just... It also takes him literally no time to get between... Like, the distance between Reno, Nevada and Northern California is nothing in this movie, which is also very funny to me. Oh, yeah, they they expect nobody knows it. <laughs> But anyway, Harvey Keitel, what is he doing in this movie? <laughs> so, Harvey Keitel so, was like, so. honestly, it was like getting, uh, uh, it was almost like getting, ah, oh, why can I not remember his name? Robert De Niro for like, Meet the Parents. It's like, yeah. yeah, like we know him for like the old stuff. Like, he's still like a star at the time. If you put him in this, people like, you know, they'll buy it. They'll be like, you know, interested. There was still an audience for him. Now it's like, what the fuck are you doing putting Harvey Keitel in a movie and like trying to make that like comedy work? Like that's not going to be it. But at the time, that shit hot. That shit made a lot of sense. Who 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 need, who owed a favor from Harvey Keitel? Like who called it in? <laughs> it's like I I, I feel like this. I'll make it happen. I feel like Harvey called in a favor and was just like, hey, like I need something solid that'll like you know put me back up. And they were like, we got this movie with Whoopi Goldberg coming out. If you down to play another fucking gangster, and he was just like, fine, fucking, I'll do it. Jesus. All right, what were we um, talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Transformation exploration. Um, oh, boy. So, my, I think one of my hard things, right, is that because we've seen, like, kind of, like, the range that Whoopi Goldberg has, it's almost like... I brought it up earlier, but like Robin Williams, like you stick him in stuff, you're like, it's going to work because I know what he does. I know what tricks he has inside of like his toolbox. I know what he's willing to like play with and where he's willing to go. So, you know, the range of it. And at this point in her career, we'd seen her do everything from like full, like, you know, physical humor and like, you know, the stuff that she was doing when she was like, you know, younger and doing stand up. And then we got to see like, you know, the nuance and like color purple and how she can take it to drama and then we got uh, uh, ghosts where it's like, oh, she can like, you know, really play with the frequency here and get serious when she has to, but also make this really light and funny. And yeah, it's like we got to see like a, a lot of range so that when you then tell me like, oh, she's about to play a nun who has to, or a woman who's like a lounge singer who has to go into witness protection and be a nun for a couple of months. I'm like, I buy it. Like if I was like the studio exec, like I would pay for that script. I'd be like, that's just going to be gold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. Um, it, it was like it was almost set up to be for me. It's like a setup for her to knock it out of the park. Yeah, uh, because I mean, again, my history with Whoopi is Star Trek and her role on that, like in its own kind of small sense is, you know, she's the bartender. That's an alien that's like hundreds of years old that is giving everybody like wizard advice, but is also very like silly and has like a good sense of humor you like not what you're seeing in ghost but you get to see that end of the spectrum that you kind of see in the latter half of this movie and when you compound that with the other like roles that she's well known for it's true that star trek came later but um still like you you do see it in that later earlier on in ghost um that well, she ghost kind of has just, this chop yeah ghost is just like a year or two before this yeah uh, i think Maybe it's after. Yeah, so it's like. The, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Ghost, it was, Ghost was 1990. I mean, it's she's she's asked a lot in this role. She has a she has a lot of a big plate to to finish, but it um, you know, it it, it feels like you know, it's like why she she's the singular sensation is because this is this is like a a whoopee. This is her. Yeah, it's like. For you to have won two Golden Globes, been nominated for two Oscars and won one prior to doing this, like, of course you're going to fucking kill this and make this work. Like, there's no way that you wouldn't. If you took any other actor now who has, you know, had, like, repeat success, like, Mahershala Ali, he got announced for Blade. He's going to be fucking awesome in Blade. And we know that without watching any of it, right? And it's because... At this point, we've now seen your range and you've been awarded for it and you now have the opportunity to get the projects that are different and interesting and unique to you. And it's like, yeah, you, you're going to do well at this because we've seen how far you're willing to go in order to get a good performance. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. So yeah, for that I had to go four, which is not saying like it wasn't good because it is a very very good performance, but it's like it's not to me the the physical exploration and everything like I'm seeing in it still feels very much like this is not surprising. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep this in in mind with what Erica was saying about uh kind of some of the physical attributes of working in a habit and all those, because, you know, I try to think back to, you know, D'Onofrio in the bug thing and how that in itself is, you know, fucking miracle. You can do anything in that. Um, and how well, because how well she still makes it so easy, despite kind of having all of these obstacles kind of thrown into the equation. I gave it a six. Maybe that's because I just like, I don't know. There's something about that double dutch scene in the in the habit. <laughs> it, it, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm really impressed by that. Like she she physically commits to this idea that, like Erica said, that the habit is extremely uncomfortable and small, and you can see her physically restricted, but she still makes everything that she does in the movie very easy. And you know, I know that she's a like very capable physically as an actor but you know it's not like she was being asked to do this exact thing in in those other movies you know she had to do that for this which is in its own way uh kind of a transformation so i gave it a six you know what based off of your argument before erica can say anything i'm actually going to give it one more point oh shit because (laughs) because there's something that i didn't think of at the top of it um i don't remember thinking that she wasn't a lounge singer and it was because the 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 way that she chose to like sing the songs everything the performance i'd never seen her do like you know uh, was that her singing yes yeah that's her singing that's so her the, the only okay. person that doesn't sing in this movie is um the young redheaded nun i think mary robert mary robert something like that um she's the uh, only she's the only person that's dubbed um and I, I don't really know why because the woman that's maybe the woman that sings it isn't really an actress but the woman that sings looks almost identical to the woman that's in the movie so um it's interesting but uh she's the only person that doesn't do her own singing i was kind of confused at the top of this movie because in the first scene when they're actually in the lounge like there was some i was like maybe it was an adr but it seemed like the like the voices for their singing was a little bit off that's something I'm realizing like happens in like every 90s movie. The yeah. ADR is trash. Awesome. It's okay. absolute yeah. garbage. <laughs> and maybe it was just because I hadn't heard Whoopi sing that I was like a little, is this her? It's a mix of both. Oh. Like it doesn't look like it really matches. Like it, like because it sounds like her. Like it sounds like uh, somebody's like almost doing it. It almost sounds like somebody's doing an impersonation of Whoopi Goldberg singing when yeah. she sings, if that makes sense. Because it's almost like that sounds like you, but like. For some reason, it doesn't, and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's like that, plus the ADR is not good. So it very much feels like that's not coming out of your, your, your mouth. That's not coming out of your face. There's no way. Really quick, before we move on to the next one, just because I feel like this is like a good halfway mark. Josh, when you add up all of your numbers, what do you have? We currently... Oh, my goodness. So uh, as of right now, Erica, based off of just three arguments that you've made, uh, we're sitting at 48 points. Okay. 48 out of a possible 60. Yep. Okay. It's, it's solid. All right. That's not well, bad. Let's hope I can, can round this out with these next two categories. You guys ready for the arm- the artist formerly known as Chicken Salad out of Chicken Shit? I'm always ready. ready for this category. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Someday we'll rename it, maybe. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad script. I do think there are a lot of plot holes, which is different. Um, and we have... Uh, We've addressed some of those. Um, But I do want to call attention to the fact that this script was not finished when they started filming. 
This means that while they were shooting out of order, Whoopi didn't necessarily know where those scenes stood within the story as a whole. So if you think about that in terms of creating steady character development or even just trying to wrap your brain around where the heck you are in this movie, she really does an amazing job of keeping it all in check. Um, And it's actually kind of remarkable that the outcome is as good as it is for the fact that that script was not finished when they walked into it. Um, now, Scott Rudin started writing this. He wrote it for Bette Midler. Um, he, a bunch of changes happened. He was like, eh, I don't know if I want to attach my name to it. He winds up attaching a pen name to it. So, like, I don't know. Fuck that. However, he does bring in both Carrie Fisher and Nancy Myers to put some finishing touches on the scripts to this movie. And I actually think that's one of the reasons that I was mentioning before to kind of tie this back to the beginning. These women are written so well, and you're able to have this performance of these very real women with Dolores as the the focal point for all that because you brought in these two very real women who write women to write this part. Done. Hmm. Right on the dot again. Um, one thing about the script that definitely jumps out, because, like, we watch so many movies that take place in the 90s, and the 90s really just aren't good. Like, a lot of that (laughs) stuff doesn't hold up. A lot of it's not that funny. A lot of it wasn't that well acted. We just look back on it, and it was, like, the last time we were happy, so we act like it was 20 times better than it was. But some of that shit was garbage. Um... This movie, to me, is one of, like, the few comedies that doesn't have a lot of moments where, like, you're kind of cringing or, like, you feel gross. Uh, It doesn't have, you know, a lot of dialogue in it that doesn't feel realistic or that, you know, feels like, you know, we aren't living in, like, a a universe that makes sense. The, The craziest thing that happens in it is the thing that happens that sets off the movie, but the rest of it doesn't feel too too insane you know it's like it's basically this woman like becomes like an interloper and makes these people realize like how happy they can be it's just like the means to get there is just absolutely insane but once you get past that point it's like it's actually like kind of like this really like cool heartwarming nice thing um so i say that to say that like yeah it's a it's a weird premise but it's also not a bad script um it if you just kind of suspend your disbelief then it's fine and it's also one of the few things that come out of the 90s that's not absolute garbage i i think of it as 90s camp you know i i yeah. get this this feeling that i don't know if it's already happening right now with gen uh gen z that like they're just gonna look back on the 90s or future generations gonna look back on the 90s and go what the fuck happened everything in here is absolute garbage like even the stuff we revere is mm-hmm. like no, At like, some we point, did that much like, better, like, ten years ago. I feel like Space Jam only gets, like, a pass because everybody realized that as crazy as that movie is and as how bad as it is, the one moment in there that felt the most realistic after watching The Last Dance is that Michael Jordan bet his entire fucking life on that game of basketball and then played his ass off to, like, win it for humanity. That shit's realistic as fuck. It's gonna have a whole half-life because of that. But, like, most of that shit that, like, came out in the 90s was absolute garbage. And if that didn't happen, we'd be like, why the fuck did the the biggest basketball player in the world decide to make this goofy-ass movie with the Looney Tunes? And why did all of y'all watch it and talk about it like it was the best thing to happen to y'all since, like, you were born? Yeah. And with this movie in particular, it's interesting to hear, uh, I didn't know that about, um uh, the script not being finished as it was happening. So that's that's kind of a... That definitely gives some points to Whoopi. I also know that this movie, the script for it, like this movie went through multiple lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, for people claiming that either the script itself or the premise or, you know, whatever it might be, was stolen from either a book or from a person that had submitted something to Disney. So, I mean, obviously as a standalone premise, like there's... <laughs> I mean, this this is real. Like this happens, you know. Like a person going into a place, you know, fish out a kind of water, fish out a water scenario, and then they end up improving. You know, the lot. Everybody kind of gets something out of it in the end. Like everybody's life gets improved. Uh, all that being said, I think for all the '90s camp that is out there, this one, this one holds up uh, pretty well. I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's a shit premise by any means. Uh, no, it's it's just crazy. Yeah. But the 90s were wild, yo. Wild. You know what? 
taking the whole like plot thing away from it that doesn't actually like negate the performance to reiterate my argument was based in the fact that they did not have a finished script when they began this movie so she was navigating yeah. an unfinished script while shooting out of order that was my argument yeah, I'll give it an eight. We kind of worked away from your original point. We did. I kind of forgot about that. I'll give it an eight. Mm, I'm torn because I'm like, does that go higher then? Because I'm like, script wasn't finished yet. The script is absolutely insane, but it's getting made as we're doing it. Just trust us. I'm going nine. Really? Wow, that, that you double jumped it. Do y'all want me to take it down to an eight? No, I, I just didn't see it coming. Yeah, that, I'm going to go nine. Got some shockers happening. All right, well. Final answer? I'll keep with a nine. Okay. Okay. You guys ready for body of proof, our final category? Yeah. I'm ready. Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of a gamble here this week, and I'm not going to tell you about Whoopi's career because it is prolific. It starts with her doing a one-woman show on stage. She gets discovered by Steven Spielberg. She goes to do the the color purple. The rest is history. Uh, she also has a fucking EGOT. So, like, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding there. What I really wanted to nominate her this week because she was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. This movie also was nominated for a Golden Globe. Um, however, I looked up all of the nominations that were given for the Oscars and the Golden Globes of this year, and not surprisingly, they were all white actresses for the most part. She's the only woman of color who was nominated for the Golden Globes, Oscars, all white women across the board. Now, here's the thing. I then went and looked up all of the movies that they were in, and I'll admittedly, I had not seen a lot of them. They actually all seem like really worthwhile contenders. However, as we saw with Do the Right Thing, what's missing in the nominations is for the non-white actors in these movies. So there's actually a couple of movies, including um, a movie that was nominated for an Oscar in this year, um, which is called Passion Fish, in which Mary McDonnell, who I think is a phenomenal actress, actually I know her daughter, she's also lovely, shout out Olivia, um she gets the nomination and Alfre Water doesn't in this role. And so the reason I really wanted to nominate Whoopi and just talk about her body of work is I don't think she has enough awards under her belt. And I just, it's important to me that she's recognized. That's it. That's all she wrote. I think it's interesting that you didn't look at, or like you started this off not talking about like everything that she'd done to this point and like, you know, keeping it within that because... It's really hard to, like, you know, just talk about that and not ignore, like, her whole body of, like, you know, her whole resume. Because, like you said, she's an EGOT. She was, what, the second black woman to win an Academy Award? Like, her resume, it's like, if you look at that, like, one small period, that's like looking at Jordan getting, like, his first two rings. It's like, it got crazier afterwards. Like, it continued to get wilder. She was the center square on Hollywood Squares. Like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg was out here getting paid. Um, yeah, and also it's like, there's something just really funny about like, so I like when we get to this category, I try to imagine the three roles that a person is known for, and I try to remember like the iconic costume of it, everything, and then I'm like, all right, like put all three of them together and what does that look like? And there's just something really funny about like Whoopi Goldberg's would probably be like the color purple uh it'd probably be ghost and then this even like they're all like super like early in their career because like they all got like you know the acclaim the awards and the money um but the fact that like the first character like you know modestly dressed like you know probably like you know like when she has like her hair in the plaits and like she's wearing a dress second one will probably be uh uh the the the, the purple uh uh number that she has on when like she goes to the bank to go get like you know all the money out of patrick swayze's account and the third one is her in a habit like, it's just, like, a weird thing of just, like, why is that, like, the third thing that, like, you're known for? Yeah, that's that's the point that I I really stuck on is uh, this being, of all the movies and all the things that, that could have kind of been what she's remembered for, it's it's this one. It's strange, and it's, you know, I, I mean, I feel like we've already, we've already kind of argued this point enough, and you know, what she had to do to get into this role and like the, you know, all the things that were asked of her in this and she showed up and did it. And, you know, she was prepared by the rest of her career, but she really showed up and did it. So 
it yeah it is really it is strange that it's this one um i gave this one a 10 i gave it a nine i got i really don't have anything to argue against it all right so uh after adding thank you erica for all of those uh extremely well prepared and well thought out arguments uh absolutely lovely talking about whoopi goldberg uh we have added up the points and it looks like you have a grand total of 83 points meaning that you have indeed won the vincent d'onofrio award for whoopi goldberg in this role thanks guys i'm i'm honored um yeah this one this one like i said i I was kicked off um if i if i have to do a acceptance speech um i would like to thank my baba uh rest her soul um for introducing me to this movie because i have such fond memories of watching this with her as a little girl um and to know that this movie is something that um I can still enjoy and watch today and not feel bad about enjoying and watching it um, <laughs> is a testament, I think, to Whoopi Goldberg. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to talking about Sister Act 2 in the future with you guys. I'm really happy that we ended this one with Whoopi Goldberg. I feel very passionately about Whoopi Goldberg being more revered it's not her fault that like every single movie that she did wasn't a hit like it doesn't always work that way we can't be mad at somebody for that that was the same thing that happened with robin williams yeah oh yeah it's just one of these things where i'm like i'm looking at these movies that were nominated for golden globes and um you know miranda richardson wins for enchanted april but i don't actually particularly remember that movie being so the category is best comedy or musical and i don't particularly remember that movie being either so it's just like frustrating to me that one whoopi goldberg's the only woman of color nominated in this category and she's up against you know gina davis shirley mcclain meryl streep she's she's up against some powerhouse women but it's just like yeah the other movies were made this year that featured um non-white actors and, and they just like as we see many years are just totally left out of the narrative, which is just, it, it's um, definitely something I'm becoming more aware of the more movies we watch for this podcast. Um, and I'm also just really fucking excited to not be talking about the 90s anymore so we can maybe also just see a little bit more, also diversity of thought as to what makes a decent movie, you know? Oh boy, yeah. it's It's been a real testament. And like, I don't know if this is, this a whole like you know watching all of these movies has made me feel older than i've ever felt in my entire life because it's like i've had to watch movies that i remember when they came out i remember how i felt about them i remember what i recall about some of them like after seeing them for the first time and how highly like you know you regard certain things and like the lines you remember and all of that but watching them like as an adult and having to be like objective about it is one of the weirdest things that i've ever had to do and it's it's really making me feel old because I'm like some of the things that I thought that I enjoyed at the time were not that great, yeah. and it's it's kind of strange like having to like correct almost what you thought you liked. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel that especially. I mean, in the, the movies that I've in doing this kind of looked back on and reflected of most uh, in the '90s, most of those movies are. I mean, it's nice that especially we're finishing off with Whoopi Goldberg uh, and some of the most recent ones that we've done because so many of the kind of the stories that come out of 90s that are the focus are just white male men. And Uh that was I had I had role model role models to look up for everything in every piece of like media that I looked at. And it's been interesting kind of looking back on that. And first off, seeing that in itself being problematic, but also this entire decade of that, just the performances and how all the material is handled being so poorly done in kind of a general sense that it's it's really it's a nice breath of fresh air just to kind of be able to look at all of that with a critical eye and kind of hand uh, awards from from what we've been doing to, you know, a lot a lot of people outside of that spectrum yeah. i'm looking forward to not doing that anymore 
Yeah, like just men with things blowing up behind them. It's just like, how many war movies can we possibly stomach? Or like these action hero movies. And like, when they're done well, they're done well. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm the first person to tell you that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But like, um, there's just so much more (laughs) to explore in the world of filmmaking. And also, it makes me sad for... A whole generation of men that have seen that and only that and like that's I, I mean you know th- that totally feeds into to what we see on the national stage right now too right like just this idea of like this this is the only way to be a man and that makes me really sad too thinking about all of these movies for sure yeah there's there's this weird <laughs> There's this weird, like, kind of, like, underlying of, like, all of, like, the movies in the 90s that says, like, this is the blueprint to be a man. You have to be strong. You have to be brash. You have to break things. You have to be loud. You have to be cocky, arrogant, all of these things. And don't ever let a woman hold you down. Yeah, it's very much, like, nothing, nothing stops you. Nothing softens you up. Nothing distracts you. You are the alpha thing in the world, and if anybody challenges that, you fucking kill them. And it's like, that's not normal at all. Like, if that were the case, nothing would ever get accomplished. Yeah, and, like, (laughs) if somebody asks you to, like, go shopping with them, even in a female section, like, designated of a clothing store, you have to get weird about it. If anything attacks this mentality that everything is hyper-masculine, you eat it and destroy it. Don't let anybody see that shit. Well, thankfully, we are escaping the 90s and taking a little bit of a different turn in terms of the format of the show. Yeah, I think we're all really excited about it. Very much so. I am. Um, no, for sure. I think that, you know, this was, this was like, not the beta, because, like, obviously we figured it out and, like, we tried it out. But in some ways, it's like, you know, you have to do something in order to know that it works. You got to touch the oven in order to pack. And, yeah, I think that's what the... This, little like experiment was but it gave us good direction on like you know what needs to be changed what we got to figure out next time around and yeah i'm really excited to to do something very similar in the same vein but with a couple of tweaks yeah so we're gonna be because you know some of the challenges that we found with the show which we won't get too much into have just been around how best can we give this an accurate and consistent rating that makes sense and is easy to listen to. So some of the changes that we're going to be making is we're going to be changing up the scoring system uh, and the general format uh, to be a little bit more predictable for for y'all listening. Uh, what else are we changing? Uh, we'll be getting rid of the complicated points system. So in future yes. episodes... Um, you can follow along with the arguments, but you won't need to be keeping track of your head in your head of who's ahead of whom. Uh, we're going to simplify that a lot for you guys. Um, well, we are anything else we need to tell the, the nice folks at home. Um, thanks for listening to what Did we do 10 episodes, 11 episodes, 12 uh, episodes. This was number 14. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, we started this. Um, we started this on a whim at the beginning of the pandemic, and now we're here, still in the pandemic, and still recording these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, who who here thought that we were going to still be doing this podcast uh, this many months in? Honestly, two weeks ago, I didn't think we'd still be doing this, and here we are. So, this is great. Yeah, I'm doing the podcast, honestly, I was like, eh, we'll probably keep doing this for a very long time. In my mind, at least that's what I was thinking, but, uh... You really? I felt like as... Yeah, I felt like as long as the pandemic was happening, we'd still be doing this, because it's like, the winter was coming. So I was like, even if we stopped for a little bit, at some point, it'd be like, we gotta pick it back up. That's fair. So, yeah. I feel, I felt like it was gonna be like that weird like game that we just kind of pick up and we do it for a little bit and then we decide we don't want to do it anymore. We walk away. This is like our version of Curb Your Enthusiasm and we're Larry David. It's like we just do this if we feel like doing it, and we don't want to do it anymore. We don't. What about you, Josh? What did you think? Oh, uh, I, 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 I predicted that uh, both of you would actually quit 
and I would be the only one doing it because it just like dissipated and you got everybody got bored of it and we all ended up arguing so much that we hated each other and the friendships ended and then I took the podcast, you know, just because I'm, I'm a you know white guy, so I have to have more than one podcast. Uh, and uh, it turns into some weird like uh, um, like conspiracy theory podcast and I eventually become the new Infowars. That was my prediction. And I'm glad it didn't come to that. I mean, there's still time. There's... (laughs) You give me a new goal. There's a lot of pandemic left, Josh. Yeah, there is. Uh, There's still time. Please don't become the next Alex Jones. (laughs) It's going to take a lot of energy to not do that, but I'll I'll try. Yeah, you you guys vibrate at similar energies, so... Woof! That is the ugh, that is the worst compliment I've ever received. That was a joke. What? Tell, what? You want me to tell a joke? No, I was telling a joke. God, we got oh, okay. up. <laughs> I misheard that. I could tell a joke. Uh, hey, did you guys hear about the concert that was only forty-five cents? No. It was fifty-cent Nickelback. And on that happy note. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anthony, you want to take us out? Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, if you like the episode, please give us a review um, on your favorite listening platform. We are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at NotTheOscars. Uh, send us an email to getmesugarwater at gmail.com. Um, like we said earlier, we're going to be changing the format around. And we're going to be coming up with a different way to present some of these movies. And hopefully we'll be presenting like some brand new, like really fun stuff that we've been kind of sitting on for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, really excited for what we have coming up. Thanks for sticking with us for, uh, are we going to call this the first season? Is this our first season of the show? I think so. We're not doing seasons. Right. Oh, sure. never mind. Yeah, this is the first Just season. Just kidding. <laughs> well... The first season of the show, the first season of Not the Oscars. Thank you for joining us for it. We'll see you next time.